Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Back again, it's me, Chris, here with Patrick. Hello. And Steven. Hi. And uh, this week, you know, every now and then there's a there's a digital release that just is so horrifying, so unsettling, gets under your skin. I'm talking, of course, about the Cats trailer. Yeah, I knew, oh, I knew this was, was, was going to be a classic the, bait and switch. The, the I got five on it version of the yes. Cats trailer. Yeah, so good. That's the Jordan only version Peele I've seen. endorsed. Oh, Jordan really? Peele retweeted it, and he was like, "Yes." It, he just said yes. That he was signed on to too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit is fucked up. I mean, not like this is a novel opinion that we're all expressing here, but. I don't know. I haven't seen it's America so much come together like this since like nine eleven. Like, like <laughs> the the consensus behind the cats trailer and how it's making people feel, and it's it's not very mean spirited either. I, like everyone's like, this looks horrible. I can't wait to see this movie. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I will be there day one. <laughs> I'm really interested to see how it does at the box office. Like if it if it succeeds at all. Yeah, can't they're releasing it the same day as Star Wars. What? <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. They just That's slamming ballsy. it on the God, table. What is the what is the thinking behind that? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I, my guess is the thinking is like it's like, you know, when like when I was a kid, my dad would take me to see like whatever crazy like Star Wars or Men in Black or whatever fucking movie I wanted to see. My mom would be like, All right, well, I'm here. This is what we're doing today. I don't want to watch this movie. I'm gonna go watch something else in the mm. next theater. You know what? Cats is totally like the the mom movie if star wars is the dad movie because they're both nostalgia trips right yeah Mm. i'm just so fascinated by cats in the first place like i found out the other day that it's three hours long like the broadway musical is three hours long and i'm just so puzzled by the fact that it was a popular sensation in the first place it's based on like a like t.s Eliot book of poems that's like this, I mean, listeners can't see me doing this with my fingers, but it's like a quarter inch thick. It's, thin, it's a tiny yeah, little it's thing. It's got volume. Edward Gorey illustrations. It's yeah. super cute and fun. And it turned into this bloated monstrosity. But that was the 90s, right? 80s, I think. Um, I, I, I remember I it being like early 90s. It probably maybe yeah, was late I think it was maybe late 80s. 80s. I don't know. But yeah, it it's so puzzling because, I mean, that was like the, you know, if your mom and dad like went to New York. I mean, not that my mom and dad did this, but this was like the go to, you know, if you you're in cats. New York, you know, if you're not a theater person necessarily, but it's like, let's go see a Broadway show. Let's see the three hour thing where people are walking around in fucking yak suits singing T.S. Eliot poems. It's just such an unlikely thing to have been a pop culture sensation at all in the first place. And well, people love cats. I have yeah, no I evidence. Can. I have no evidence of this, but I would expect that there's like no less than 10 Seinfeld episodes or cats is a plot point. Oh yeah, <laughs> or just Absolutely. a background detail or yeah. something. Jerry, I got tickets for cats. <laughs> I had to break up with him because he wanted to take me to cats. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to take you to cats. Oh, I've never seen a full episode of Seinfeld, so I can't contribute. Me neither. Wow, what? No. 
Wow. And I grew up with a family who loved Seinfeld. I mean. My family has seen every Seinfeld episode multiple times. And I somehow have never seen a full up. That's I had ridiculous. more of an X-Files family, which you would be happy with, Chris. I, yeah. I was a little too young to and remember me. them. I but. was an X-Files family. But I got to I gotta say, though, that like we are like millennials. Because when you say we've never watched Seinfeld, it sounds like we're like, you know, 16. Well, it sounds like we're. I don't know. It sounds like we're just trying to be cool. We're trying to be hipsters. Oh, I've never seen Seinfeld. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Five years old. That shit was beneath me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what else did we watch this week, guys? I've been on kind of an osploitation journey, which is a term I love that I learned from the, the documentary Not Quite Hollywood. Have you guys seen this? It came out. Mm-mm. No, but I have heard the term. I, I Maybe s- from you. I, I saw it probably from me. I had um, never heard actually this at Motor term. City Nightmares. I remember Patrick like like giggling to uh, to Allison when I said that, like as if I had just made it up or something. Osploitation. Yeah, I was fascinated when you texted it the other day because it's spelled O Z exploitation. I was like, like exploiting the Wizard of Oz. Oh, oh wow, that would be a fun thing. Oh, well, that's Midsummer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've 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 had a I won't say lifelong, but since I was about like six or seven, my my one of my favorite aunts, uh, Kathy went to Australia and I just became fascinated with, with Australia and the outback and all the, you know, the scenery and the, the crazy creatures and just sort of like the whole deadly vibe of the place. So like walkabouts, one of my favorite movies, I watch it like annually picnic at hanging rock. Uh, so lately I've been getting back into the, the exploitation genre. I started with long weekend, which you guys have to see. I like watched it on Amazon prime and bought it the next day on Blu-ray. It's it's about a couple who goes into the outback and they're just like awful people and they treat the environment terribly with total like disregard and nature strikes back. <laughs> That's basically it and it's it's bananas. Oh, I love it. I t- I texted Chris. I was literally screaming at the ending. Like I jumped out of my seat and screamed because I couldn't believe it went where it went. Damn. And then I followed up with Road Games, which is a, a Richard Franklin movie starring Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis, like hot off of Halloween. Wow. And they're uh, an unlikely duo on the longest stretch of road in the outback who are kind of unbeknownst to them at first on the trail of a Jack the Ripper-esque serial killer. Where do you find and watch all these movies, Stephen? I listen to a lot of horror podcasts. I read a lot of horror websites and magazines. Um, Road Games is not horror, actually, even though it involves a serial killer. It's just, it's just kind of like a, like a cult classic at this point. But. So my experience with Australian films in general or Australian films about Australia is that Australians seem to have a really fucked up perception of their own country. Like every movie you see about Australia just makes Australia seem like a fucking horrible place. Oh, like, yeah. Wake and Fright, like walk. Oh, about, yeah. Wake, totally forgot about Wake and Fright. Cargo. Yeah, they, I mean, they do not, or with fucking Mad Max, like, none of them make Australia out to be a place that you want to go. Is it? Is it similar in the films you're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, like, like <laughs> Long Weekend does not make me want to, I mean, I, because I'm, I'm fucked up, and I like horror, and I like horrifying shit, I still want to visit the Outback, but, like, yeah. Long Weekend made me kind of afraid to go to the Outback, even, yeah. like, even a walkabout, there's, like, creepy close-ups of like lizards and giant oh, spiders and is, shit yeah like, definitely there's a lot of settling. Stuff in there. but it's also interesting that like they seem to have uh a, a a similar relationship to their indigenous people that we do where there's a lot of kind of like the politics involved like mm. walkabouts a lot about that and so is um cargo so is cargo yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I find, yeah, cargo. Um, that fucking baby. Uh, 
But I, I find that like really fascinating too. That like in all these films, there is like they they all touch on that in some way or another. Um, and and then I ended with Body Melt, which I bought at Motor City Nightmares. I might have mentioned on the that. podcast before. That was a little too aggressively weird for me. Mm. That's where I've been at horror wise. What about you guys? So my recent horror watching activities have been um, slightly less obscure than yours <laughs> unsurprisingly well if you live but, in australia these films are not obscure but i, I point taken for by by american standards <laughs> i wonder how many listens we get from australia hey if you're in australia and you have some opinions about ozploitation send us a little email leave us a facebook message we want to hear from you tell us if your country is a hellscape or not yeah tell us if it's a hellscape oh and give us five stars on itunes while you're at it ha all right go ahead patrick <laughs> Um, the new season of Stranger Things. I like this show more and more with every season. I actually wasn't a huge fan of the first season, but I like it more and more with each one. And the new one is super horror-y, and I'm really digging it. Oh, like, there's huh. some unsettling shit. It's intense. I mean, it's still funny and, and charming in the way that the previous two seasons were, but I've really been digging it kind of to my surprise because, again, the first one was a bit underwhelming for me. And also fucking halloween kills and halloween ends yeah, the trailers big news. it looks fucking sweet that 24 second trailer well was, it's footage from the the halloween remake it's not new footage I, well i know it's not new footage but that 24 seconds the way it was shot edited voiceovered and titled yeah was more entertaining to me than any 24 seconds of the new halloween movie fucking loved it I also the new loved, halloween movie i didn't it didn't, didn't do much for me but um, I, I love the title. If only too. there was a podcast where people could hear what we had, to, what we thought about that Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah, reminder, guys, we reviewed every single Halloween movie in a single episode, so you can go check that out if you want to be reminded how we felt about the new Halloween movie. Forty. Ah, he's so got cool the numbers here. Out of San Diego Comic Con already, but there are action figures from Halloween Three coming from NECA. Ah, oh, the, the trick or treaters with re- like replaceable heads, like after their heads get all weird and the worms start coming out. <laughs> shit, you know, oh, it's amazing. I actually just listened to the How Did This Get Made episode about Halloween Three because I didn't realize that they had even reviewed it, and it. You know what? Halloween 3 holds a special place in my heart, and I feel like that's going to be like an annual Halloween season rewatch for me. It's not a good movie, but it's so it's weird. It's a weird movie. Chris, is it possible to play us into the main segment of the show with a little bit of the Silver Shamrock jingle? Yeah, how many more days till Halloween, guys? Too many. <laughs> Too fucking many. Too many days till Halloween. Right. Halloween, Halloween. Too many, Too many days, days till Halloween. Halloween. Silver Shamrock. We did it for you. Perfect. Yeah, so what this episode is really about, I haven't watched anything horror-related except except my homework for this week's Every Horror Movie on Netflix. We watched The Perfection on Netflix, a Netflix original, or N-Film, I guess, is how they're rebranding the Netflix (laughs) original. I noticed that when I watched it today. I was like, is that new? Uh, Oh, I thought you were saying N-Film. No, it's not N-Film, it's N-Film. My my friend refers to it as Nollywood. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. We're we're gonna steal that. That's All kind right. of funny because well, for the for the listening audience, we sometimes as a shorthand when we're referring to just movies that we either like or movies that are sort of like self consciously just very like just they really want to make it known that they're a film. High we, art, yeah, high art. We'll describe it as an a n film with a capital F. Yes. So it's funny to me when you said N film, I was like, oh, you mean N film? Well, I did think of that when I saw the yeah. N because it says an. And, 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 anyway. And film. 
Um, yeah, the perfection. This made some waves. Um, you know, I don't know when it came out about a month ago. Yeah, we're always behind on these things. We're Sorry, guys. These things, but I heard you guys talking about it. Don't and I was apologize. Really Chris made it. the pick. That's true. Chris apologized. I made the yeah. I made the pick because I had heard kind of you guys talking about it. Um, and and it was getting some buzz, and it looked like a movie I might want to see. It looked like end film. It looked like a good film. Uh, so. The perfection. And now it's the thing about the perfection, though, having seen it, it's going to be very hard to talk about. So what we're mm. going to do is we're just going to kind of really briefly give our thoughts. And I think we're going to review it very quickly and then go with the spoiler realm upon which we will give you a plot synopsis. And then we will kind of discuss how we felt. It's really hard to talk about this movie. This movie has one, one big spoiler. There's it's like four acts and there's a major twist in every act. And, and yes. yeah, there's like, yeah, there's a major twist in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Basically. The Netflix description says that it's genre bending, and I would agree with that. Yeah. It kind of takes you through various movements, much like a cello piece. <laughs> <laughs> no, specifically for cello. Like, there's something about the cello that it just lends itself to genre bending. Um, I was, I, uh, you know, I played cello. I was I actually was going gonna to say, when are you, when, Wait, when are you going to drop the bombshell? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. So, I, I love, like, I'm a sucker for the cello. Podcast host, renaissance man, and cellist. So, so here's the thing. Chris you know, I, I went to the. Uh, I, I spent my elementary at the back off institute. <laughs> <laughs> basically, um, no. I spent my uh, elementary education at a Montessori school in which music. Everyone participated in music. And uh, I started off in vi- with violins. I was playing a violin. Wait, no, multiple violins. You said violins. You were well, playing like four. At a I was time. in the violin Just line section, them up right? down your arm as many as you can fit. <laughs> so you know, from probably um, I want to say third grade, maybe fourth grade, I was playing the violin. They called him Tobo. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, see, visual gag for our listeners. <laughs> I just mimed holding a bow for a violin with my foot oh. listening audience. Uh, Tobo. So, yeah, no, I played violin, and then guess, guess why I switched to cello? Can you guess why I switched to cello? Because the violin was too small for you. It, it hurt your arm to hold it up. No, because when you perform, <laughs> the cellos get to sit down. Well, oh. that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, you're lazy, so you play Yeah, I'm lazy, just... and I didn't really want to be there. And so instead of, <laughs> instead of standing up, you know, you get to sit down the whole time. How cool is that, right? Yeah. Um, but I wasn't very good at violin. It I seems was... like it would be, like, you put a lot of stress on the thighs. Like, I always notice, like, cellists are, like, really kind of... Uh, moving their legs around. Oh, I mean, the, yeah, cellist man spread like a motherfucker. I mean, the, yeah, the, the man spread, it just kind of rests there. I mean, you have a peg that's going into the... You know, onto the floor. Yeah. So that most of the weight, I think, is kind of pushing into the floor. I don't know. It's been a while since I played the cello. But yeah, I played the cello for a while. And then I switched because I switched to the upright bass. So I played violin, cello, and bass. Damn. (laughs) All right. We got to talk after the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The reason I switched to upright bass was because... The cello was too like squeaky when I played it, and I thought going to a instrument with a lower register would make it more palatable on the ears. Mm, Doesn't it would, work that way. <laughs> if you're shitty at playing cello, you're gonna be shitty at playing bass. <laughs> oh, so you're shitty. Okay, because I was gonna say I'm I'm in the process of making a, a DIY record, and I want some cello on it. No, um, I mean you're not the guy. No, my siblings uh, place probably would be better at that okay. than, than I would be. Uh, my my sister kept up with violin for a while after school. So, could you do that, like the screechy sound from the orchestral version of "I Got Five on It" from us? Or it's like I could make screechy sounds on a cello all day. 
Could you play that? Maybe. No, I forgot. All, you know, I don't. I because the thing is, I forgot all the finger placements. Because mm. and if you're a noob when you start playing the cello, they put you put tape down on your uh, fingerboard. I was wonder how I you, was wondering about it's that. Like like, fr- like fretless bass. I'm like, how do you know? I mean, I would yeah. have a sense from having played guitar and bass for years yeah. of where my fingers should be. But how do you know you're hitting just the right note? You probably have to have a better ear than a guitarist would. To, Maybe. To do it. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. But yeah, you start with tape so you know where to put your fingers, okay. and then if you're a badass, eventually you'll take the tape off and you'll just know. So by the time you played the perfection, you, the tape was clearly by, off. Yeah, by the time yeah. I played, no, I didn't play. But like, no, I did get like you know because I was like falling behind the class. I did get like sent into like the closet to like practice by myself. And the so closet, yeah, there was a closet. Wow, so I go in the Were closet. Lights, and yeah, but it was it was an isolating experience. So I would play by myself, and then. But, like, I would be lazy, and I'd be like, I really just don't want to play this. It hurts my ears when I want to hear myself play. So I'd, like, not play, and then, like, the teacher would come back through the door, and I'd start playing again. So she thought okay, I was practicing. Okay, so b- band, band instructors, music teachers, um, uh, conductors are fucking psychopaths if the movies have anything to say about uh-huh. it. And your life experience. Well, look, I'm not going to call anyone a psychopath. Here's what I'll say. Um, Except I, Eli Roth. I did ask, I did ask a band director, a, a renowned uh, uh, high school band director, about the movie a Whiplash. Renowned. I, Whiplash is a movie we're going to talk about. The wickedly talented. <laughs> Shockingly vile. The, Whiplash is a movie that we are definitely going to be talking about today. Yes, yes it let, is. Let's hear it. Um, and the, the band director was kind of appalled by that movie. And he said, that doesn't happen today. There's no abuse anymore. But like, <laughs> but there was. And oh, it was but rampant. There was. Apparently, when, like, like when he was in school, so maybe like 40 years ago, this was a thing. Uh, but I don't know. I will say that even the chill band directors and stuff that I've, I've come across, they, they, they are cut from a cloth of of rigor and discipline and it's like the military i don't understand it's music it's you know I, the, exp- yeah. like one of the deepest expressions purest expressions of the soul why so much hate why so much abuse i'm not gonna say there's I mean, abuse going it's on like the fucking catholic church yeah <laughs> if 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 sam our uh, occasional guest what do we call that a guest our, not our, a guest host our, yeah, yeah she's a guest, guest, she's, a guest. Star. she's a guest as our occasional guest star sam would tell us like Sam got, I mean, Sam is a, is a music person. I think she went to school for music, a musician. You might call her, you might call her a musician. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You might call her a vocalist. (laughs) Um, the wickedly talented, wickedly talented (laughs) Sam does Um, but she was pissed about whiplash. She was like, it's not like that. Yeah. And any any music person I've talked to oh, has like, been like, it's not like that. Jim D. Regattas on Sound Opinions, that somehow that movie came I think they did like an episode about the movies around the time the movie came out. And he was pissed because he's a drummer and uh, and also a, an American hero because he's taken R. Kelly down. Uh, but he, he, he was infuriated by that movie because he's like, this is not what it's like. Like, uh, we're going to like raise a whole... Because the movie's do have an impact on, on our culture. He's like, we're going to raise yeah. a whole like, generation of kids who think that they have to like... like beat themselves to death to be able to play an instrument no but it's expected to, of to, to, to do anything at that highest level requires i think the f- kind of sacrifice you see in whiplash and maybe the what? kind of crazy are you mind. kidding me are you are you advocating for no no for, i'm for not J- I'm jk saying, simmons no no behavior? no no i'm not i'm just i'm, I'm just, talking about jk simmons the man not the character in the film he's an awful well player. for me whiplash <laughs> isn't about being screamed at as much as going crazy and having that level of commitment personally intrinsically 
I don't know. I mean, I'm a Buddhist. I can see reaching that level of perfection and being you're a, perfectly you're calm. A Buddhist? Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't shout about it, but if, if I have to identify with any kind of, ah, sort of religion, well, then yeah. We'll and talk I about can, that later. I, I, I can no see idea. reaching that level of perfection while still being calm. I don't think you have to, like, pummel yourself and, like, you know, try to immediately recover from a car accident to get to your <laughs> recital. Oh, of course. You know? no, 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 no. See, I, I, I just disagree with that idea that like Whiplash has some responsibility to accurately depicting the music conservatory experience, right. though. Like, I mean, so many movies heighten the real world in different oh, yeah. ways. Yeah, for like, sure. I don't, I don't. Rocky is not an accurate boxing movie. No. Yeah, but you know, boxers who like, like kids who want to be boxers who like religiously watch Rocky and think that like that's it's probably good for them. It, maybe. I don't know. It's an inspiring movie. I mean, um, if you want to see a depiction of the real world, watch a documentary and it's still going to be fucking biased because there's a director. Yeah, but I'm talking about kids. I'm talking, I was in band, it. and I can imagine, like, a band kid, you know, like, 12-year-old me watching Whiplash and being like, oh, wow, that's what I got to put myself through. Like, that looks cool. Like, I want to I want to live that journey. And, like, feeling like if something like that were to happen to me, that, like, that's expected. But does that mean Damien Chazelle sh- had, like, some responsibility to not make that movie? No, for, no, like, no, I'm not saying that. I, just, I, I think it's, I, I just think it's a really... Wow, we're going there, I, yeah, guys. I, I, Welcome to our episode about Whiplash. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Whiplash actually condones that approach to musicianship. It doesn't, but it's one of those movies, like, like in the same way that, like, like you could argue that, like, Pulp Fiction condones violence, which is absurd, right? But like teenagers take it really seriously, yeah. and they they think it's cool. Well, that's um, why we rate it R. No one under seventeen admitted <laughs> without parent or guardian. Yeah, and that, that's a bulletproof policy. <laughs> all right, all right. So here's what we're talking about. So let, let's talk about a film that doesn't condone that approach at all. Is it rated? This movie? Uh, I I don't think it is. Are Netflix? Oh, I think they're rated for TV. Actually, yeah, I think it's TV. Right. MA. I think yeah, oh, I think it's MA. Yeah, it's MA. It's, gotta be. it's MA as fuck. Yeah. So the movie's the perfection. In this movie, we have a woman named Charlotte, played by Allison Williams, who you'll all remember from her breakout role in Get Out as Where Are the Keys, Rose? Well, really, her breakout role was in Girls, but yeah. Sure, but her breakout, yeah. I've fine. never seen Girls. Don't split hairs about that. I mean, that was where she. I mean, really, her breakout role was being born Brian Williams' daughter. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. She's yeah. Brian Williams' daughter, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, and I mean, actually, that's unnecessarily snide. She is a very talented person on her own, but, you know, I'm sure being Brian Williams' daughter has not hurt her, her career. <laughs> wait, okay. Wait, who's Brian Williams? When you said Brian Williams, I heard Brian Wilson. I was <laughs> oh, like, no, oh, no, no, no. Brian Williams, what? like, uh, NBC. NBC, NBC Nightly anchor. News. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Got um, it. Anyway, uh, so she's a, impressive. she is a former <laughs> child prodigy cellist who left the game because her mother fell ill. And now 10 years later, she is trying to reconnect with her old conservatory and she meets uh, sort of her replacement at the conservatory, a, another young prodigy cello cellist. Yeah. Yeah, in, in Shanghai, they they both are judges for this sort of competition. They're offering a scholarship to these these young, yeah, like basically the next young potential prodigy to come to the conservatory. So they meet, uh, they recital, and and they have some shared experiences about cello, uh, playing the cello, and and sort of the their experiences at the school. And honestly, that's all we can fucking say about it before we go to the spoiler. <laughs> it immediately goes bananas from there. It goes Is that bananas. as far as we're going? That's as far as you can go. I don't I was... know how much farther we can go. <laughs> all right. 
I, I'm, I'm not gonna argue yeah, I, mean, I mean i mean we we can say that that a um a, a man drops his glass in the in the atrium of where this recital is and has a nosebleed and starts puking very yellow vomit and that's kind of portentous it's a bad omen it's a bad omen (laughs) it's a bad omen and then like from that moment on wow wow we're on a wild ride it's a movie that dog legs (laughs) several times and honestly, I, I wait. Dogleg, can you explain that to me? You know, it's like going, a wizard it's hand. going one way and it goes boom another way. Yeah, and sometimes Snake it goes hand. backwards. It Snake goes back. Wizard's hand. hand. You said it again. Uh, yeah, it's very hard to talk about this movie. So that's why I feel I feel like we're doing our listeners a disservice. But hopefully, most of them have watched this movie or don't plan to, so they can follow us down in the spoiler room where we'll actually talk about it. Um, I guess we just gotta review it. You gotta review it. This is wild. This we've is never wild. done this we've before. We've never done this before. Wow. But you know what? We've filled like the time that we usually fill before we get. To yeah, the we yeah. talked talk for... about other shit, which was fun. We I talked about Whiplash that. for like forty five minutes. Other listeners, their money's worth talking about random yeah. bullshit. Yeah. If you want to go watch the movie, you already got you know a normal sized dose of Amon pre spoiler room. Okay, I will start. I will surprise myself by giving this movie <laughs> a cue it. Oh, okay. I thought I was going to give it a screw it. Um, I texted Patrick towards the end of this movie and I said, this movie is abhorrent. Would I still use that word? Probably. Um, it's a very well-made movie. It is a thrill ride. It will keep your attention. I would say it's almost a great movie, but it veers into it. Again, the, the, the dog legs we're talking about make it very kind of, um, uh, I don't want to say tonally inconsistent because that's not true, but just we, the, uh, that term never applies to anything. I'm learning. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I feel like we should just ban that term. <laughs> Let's ban it. Means nothing. Let's it's ban done. We're not the rule totally is totally inconsistent, but it's also just inconsistent across the board. Um, um, yeah, it really kind of keeps you on a yo-yo, and it kind of kept me at an arm's length from really getting emotionally invested in the movie. A, and then a dog legs length, and, you might say. And then it just it makes some just really crass in my opinion and unnecessary decisions late in the movie that we'll talk about in the spoiler round um i'll give it a cue it i mean you're definitely gonna it's definitely gonna hold your attention but i don't like what they did who wants to go next can i go next yes can i surprise you all yes i'm gonna get i did not like this motion picture (laughs) but i'm gonna give it a view it wow yes it is a breezy trashy ride like i so this has a common denominator with single white female, another kind of... I haven't seen that. I kind see of that. fun, artfully made but trashy movie that also stars Steven Weber. And... The poor man's Richard E. Grant, we decided. Patrick told me that earlier. I can, I can see it. I can <laughs> see it. Um, don't give Steven Weber that much credit, though. Uh, <laughs> it, it is just... I I didn't like it the first time through, but it I was wrapped the entire time I was watching it. I watched it again today... And somehow I had even more fun with it, even though I find it reprehensible. Oh, there's really not a lot I can say without spoiling it's it. It's hard. But man, like, just watch it. It's 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 wild. It's going to throw you for a loop every 20 minutes or so. I mean, it's, it's whiplash for perverts. If that sounds appealing to you, <laughs> if that sounds appealing to you, then then definitely watch it well, immediately. Um, I don't know about that. Let me interject real quick before Patrick gives his rating, because I think one of my problems, you know, I, I make a big deal about how I don't watch trailers. I don't try to, I try not to expose myself to anything about these movies before I see them. I think that worked to my detriment here, because I was, went in expecting, 
I was expecting a whiplash or a black swan or something that was more subtle and like more... black swan is not subtle. But well, that's what I said. To him. Okay. It's it been a while since I love that movie, but it is equally trashy. But I was ready to see like oh I don't know about that, but it's trashy. I was ready to see like a taut thriller about the as taut as a cello string, you know, psychological like, trauma <laughs> of of being in music performance, and I wanted to see. Just like a just like a good suspense of psychological thriller movie. Well, yeah, you messaged me and you were like, "Do we know anyone who's a cello player who can like speak to cello performance and like how realistic it is in this film?" And I'm like, "That's not what it's not about. important, no, not important at all." So I think it was maybe a bait and switch for me, and that's one of the reasons I didn't like it so much, or I was kind of like just repulsed by it as much as I was, because um, it really doesn't. No, it's it's not a movie that deals in subtlety at all, and and it's not really concerned with the with the psychological thriller aspect. So I actually did see the trailer before I watched it, and the trailer reveals to some degree sort of the first big twist, which we've actually refrained from describing here in our little summary so far. So the, we've actually given away less than the trailer does. So I think I was prepared. I mean, I wouldn't have even known it was about cello to begin with if I hadn't watched the trailer. Oh, really? No. Like, none of the, the, the key artwork or anything gave that away for you? I don't know if I even saw key artwork. Oh, I just okay. saw, like, at some point, like, oh, The Perfection. People are talking about it. It's a twisty movie. Allison Williams is in it. Actually, I don't even know if I realized Cello was in it because of the trailer. I probably forgot about that part. I just noticed certain uh, <laughs> unforgettable elements in the trailer that we haven't discussed. So yeah. we're not going to discuss that. Patrick, what did you think? This is an unqualified view it for me. View it with prejudice. One of my favorite things I've seen so far this year. One of my best viewing experiences with anything so far this year. What about in your Netflix journey? Like in the Amon journey? Yeah. Um, It's way up there. I mean, it's no 1920. Fear <laughs> strikes again. It's no J. But it's, it's sad, actually, that Allison with a Y couldn't be here with us tonight because she and I watched it together and we freaked the fuck out afterwards. We were like Key and Peele in that Bruce Willis sketch where they're just running back and forth in front of the hotel, freaking out about Bruce Willis. Literally, after the movie, we were just pacing around the house like, holy fuck, that was insane. What did we just watch? That was nuts. Oh, and man. It was I great. I your reaction. I had a great time with it. Second time around... I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that takes you by shock and surprise the first time. And it, I, I, I have watched it twice now. I watched it a second time once Chris picked it for Wheel of Death. And it wasn't quite as much fun the second time around. But that first time viewing experience, if you haven't seen it, blast. We're going to get into it a little further on. But I don't think it's giving too much away to say there's themes of sexual abuse. And if you know that's a trigger for you, don't fuck with this movie. Um, unqualified view it for me. Damn. Very. Two view it's in a cue it. Two view it's in a cue it. A that sounded kind of like a screw it though. It sounded like you were. If on the I fence. knew you both were going to give it view it's, maybe I would screw it just to, just to weight it down. A <laughs> um, you know something about the Netflix format, I think, lends itself to movies that are more fun on a first watch than they are watching it again. I mean, because it's such a disposable product, you know. So if you're a Netflix There's original to be said movie for that, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't, I haven't come to a conclusion, but I'm seeing a lot of common threads in these Netflix original films. Like, are there a lot of people who are watching Bird Box more than once? God, I hope not. Yeah. That's really sad for me to think about. All right. Well, we're going to go down the spoiler round. We'll fill you in on all the things we couldn't talk about just now and talk a little bit more about what we thought about it. So uh, go watch the movie yourself or follow us down there. See you soon. 
All right, we're back in the spoiler room, ready to discuss the perfection. The acoustics are great down here tonight. The acoustics. Thanks, Greg. The acoustics. It's the most acoustically perfect room I've ever been in. It is. Give me an A flat. Ah, <laughs> amazing. Oh. I don't know what note that was, but it sounded like an A flat, maybe A sharp. All right. So, like I said, you know what? We're just gonna. I'm just gonna give a spiel. I'm just gonna give, give a spiel. I'm just gonna give the the whole fucking plot summary, which I wrote this afternoon. As I'm I so curious to hear how you time. condense this into a plot summary. I did my best. Hopefully, it's not too long. Okay. Here we go. So, like we said, <laughs> this is your book report. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Charlotte, like we said, Allison Williams, was a child prodigy at an exclusive cello conservatory who was forced to leave when her mother became ill 10 years ago. Now, the mother has died, and Charlotte, uh, she travels to Shanghai to reunite with her mentor, Back Off, played by Stephen Weber, the poor man's Richard E. Grant, and she meets his new protege, Lizzie, played by Logan Browning of Dear White People fame. Lizzie and Allison are drawn to each other by their shared history, as well as a sexual tension that culminates in the two sleeping together. The next morning, the two set off for a vacation across China, even though Lizzie is suffering from an apparent hangover. She becomes violently ill on a bus trip and appears to be infested with insect larvae. Once insects begin to hatch from inside Lizzie's hand, Allison gives Lizzie a meat cleaver and Lizzie cuts off her own hand. At this point, the film rewinds, like literally rewinds a la... Oh, we're going to get into that tactic. A la Funny Games, if you've ever seen that one. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the audience learns that Allison previously drugged Lizzie with a hallucinogen and was conspiring all day to trick Lizzie into cutting off her hand. Three weeks later, Backoff's conservatory in Boston welcomes a new child student recruited from the Shanghai recital. Lizzie attempts to return to the conservatory, but is turned away by Backoff and his wife, Palmera. Lizzie invades Charlotte's house and abducts her, bringing her back to the conservatory to face Backoff. At this point, it is revealed to the audience that Backoff's method of instructing his students has always involved physical rape not just by himself but by his teaching underlings jeffrey and theus oh theus charlotte is taken to a room called the chapel where she had performed and was raped as a child she is forced to play a cello piece and warned that if she does not achieve quote-unquote perfection the titular perfection Backoff will rape the new student in her stead Charlotte makes a mistake during her performance, but it turns out Backoff was bluffing. Jeffrey, Theus, and Lizzie prepare to rape Charlotte, but Jeffrey and Theus fall dead, apparently poisoned by Lizzie. The film rewinds again, and the audience learns that Lizzie and Charlotte have been in cahoots since Lizzie abducted Charlotte. Apparently, Backoff's rejection of Lizzie at the conservatory convinced Lizzie of his abusive nature, something Charlotte tried to communicate back in China after Lizzie cut off her hand, which was Charlotte's strategy to quote-unquote save Lizzie and free her of Backoff's brainwashing. Lizzie and Charlotte kill Palmera and savagely attack Backoff, although he maims one of Charlotte's arms in the fight. The film ends with Lizzie and Charlotte playing a single cello together using their good arms, while a horribly disfigured Backoff sits in the audience listening with no legs, no arms, no eyes, no mouth, and a feeding tube. The end. I have no mouth and I'm a scream. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a pretty, pretty well... That was an exhaustive 
an exhausting It's an exhausting synopsis. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a I, lot yeah. happening. I went, I, went, I went over that synopsis several times trying to figure out how to pare it down. And that's, uh, we need to know all the information. There were so okay, I have very complicated feelings about this, and I don't want to risk sounding insensitive. But, like, I don't understand why Charlotte had to do what she did without trying something else first. Cutting off the hand. I get that there's deep brainwashing involved. I don't understand why there wasn't even a cursory discussion with Lizzie ahead of time. Like, I don't understand why she didn't try to feel the situation out and try to gauge whether or not Lizzie knew what she was in for. There is a brief conversation where Charlotte asks Lizzie if she would ever leave back off. And she's like, no, of course not. I love it there. And I guess that's good enough for Charlotte. I think character development and the character motivations are weak throughout this entire movie. I don't think it's a movie that really concerns itself with that stuff. Well, given given the crimes that Bakoff has perpetrated, like I feel like... <sighs> Again, this is where it gets really hard for me because I know like what's going on in our culture right now with like the Me Too movement. I I feel like there's a like it would be very easy for him to be outed as the monster that he is. But maybe not. I don't know. But then we wouldn't get to have girls cutting a guy and beating him with a fire poker and putting a knife in people's backs. And we wouldn't see those same girls making out and yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean a it's a prurient, it's, it's, gross, trashy movie. And I, I guess I guess I like that it takes the shortcuts it takes because I haven't seen a movie like this since like Paul Verhoeven was in his prime in the early nineties. Yeah, Verhoeven <laughs> is the closest parallel for me on this movie it's not about realism it's about a twisty thriller that ends up having this feminist revenge narrative but you've seen you've seen l right yes i like that is a movie that also is incredibly twisty it is a kind of a it is a very feminist film in its own weird fucked up way I feel like that's a very mature work, though, that, like, skirts the line between pulp and art. Yeah. I wish this movie had more of that sensibility. I wish it were just a little bit more mature in, 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 in trying to do what it sets out to. Which ultimately I love. Like I love seeing. Like it's kind. Of, it feels kind of like death proof in the end. You know, like where these these women just like against all odds totally destroy the man that tried to destroy them. It, there's there's kind of like a, a a gleeful emotional catharsis in the end. So I texted Patrick during the conclusion of this movie, and I said this movie is ab- abhorrent. Yeah, and I'm curious. What was was there a particular moment or like a thing in particular that made you say that? Now, here's the thing. I don't want to play woke police when we're talking about horror movies because I think there's a place in horror movies and exploitation movies to to go there and it's fantasy and, and yeah. just deliver the most over the top circumstances that involve rape or whatever else and do whatever they want. So so keeping that in mind though, and again, this may be because of my preconceptions about this movie. I felt like all the rape stuff was so unnecessary that it was just there. I don't want to say in the prurient interest, but I, we don't need all that. We don't need a woman like writhing in a chair, screaming, saying, no, please don't rape this 10 year old kid in front of us. 
Right. That that went way over the line. And, I, and, and the fact that, I mean, I'm glad that, that Stephen Weber's character was bluffing in that moment. But I felt like you're putting a, ch- like, I don't want to sound like Siskel and Ebert in the early 80s right now. But, like, that was the one of the few moments that I've seen in a film in my life where I actually felt, like, repulsed by child endangerment. So I didn't necessarily read it that way. he's just threatening the child in general. I never read necessarily, I'm going to rape the kid in front of you. No, but he keeps saying, you know what happens next. You know, like, so we understand, uh, uh, I understood that, like, he's going to rape the girl. No, he's explicitly going to rape the girl. Whether or not she has to watch it is a separate conversation, but... It could have, like, when she went to bed, I was like, oh my god, are they just gonna go rape her off screen? No. Yeah. (laughs) No, that was, that was explicitly in the text of the movie. But my problem... Well, I don't, I, I, I perceived it differently. And I might have perceived the movie overall differently if I had seen it the same way you did, but I didn't read that. Well, we learned the rules. I mean, we we learned them after the fact. So, so the rules of the the perfection. But like, it's very clear what happens if you make a mistake, you get raped. And when you look back at that scene, and that was one thing that was confirmed for me watching it again today, is that he was going to do what he would have done to Charlotte to that girl. Yeah, there's a line where she's like, no, she's just a child. She just got here, you know, do it to me, do it to me. And what he's going to do is very clear. Like, like, But after the fact, after that happens, then you see that there's supposed to be a rape. Theus and Jeffrey come in. They're going to rape Charlotte. Um, So, but we already know. I mean, we see Charlotte as a child and we know that she was raped. How is that different from the girl being the new girl being threatened in the scene when Charlotte has grown up. It's it's not. I think it's all pretty horrid. And the I, horror, but like this girl is even younger than Charlotte was. And I mean, I, she's a she's like ten or something. I think it's just also unnecessary because like we know that they came up in an abru- in an abusive, fucked up, brainwashing institution and that their minds have been shattered. We know that Allison Williams character Charlotte has spent time in mental hospitals trying to recover from it. Like mm-hmm. this man, uh, this man back off has broken their minds with abuse. I don't know why they needed to take it to the next level and say, oh, well, by the way, he's also a rapist other than to make it more uh, excusable when the two women torture him at the end of the film, which I also felt was over the top. But I, I want to say that like over the top in the best way to me. But I like what Chris is saying in that, like, to have one, you have to have the other. You have to have him commit horrible atrocities on screen for that to pay off. And that's where I find this film to be prurient and trashy. The kind of abuse that this film trucks in is so horrific that even the suggestion of it is enough. And the fact that it goes so far to make you think about it, to almost see it, is it's too far for me. So I don't understand. You're saying you wanted to see like what child rape on screen to justify the mutilation at the end. No, no, I'm saying the mutilation at the end is, is absurd and way over the top, but I'm saying this film goes too far to make you think about what precipitates that. Like just a suggestion of a child abuser and, and, and his performance is creepy enough, but like to make you like look at a little girl in a room in the chapel and think about the possibility of her being raped by these three intimidating men is that that was too much. I think to Steve's really uh, that is so interesting to Steve's point when 
Charlotte is talking to Backoff when she's brought back to the conservatory and she's explaining some of her motivations about why she did what she did to Lizzie. She says, oh, I saw Lizzie had the tattoo. I knew she played in the chapel. Mm -hmm. I knew what she had to do to get that tattoo. For me, the way she said that implied maybe there was sexual abuse going on here. I got that too. I was like, I I knew what you had to do to get them. I get it. And that was enough for me. It was enough for me to say that these people are in a, in a, you know, I think the whole like stage parents performance child thing is very, um, upsetting and 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 often abusive in kind of an insidious way for me it's enough to say okay these kids were just being exploited in this music program and they were being abused certainly verbally emotionally possibly physically maybe sexually that's good enough for me i don't need this dog and pony show where people are getting raped in front of my eyes you know? no one got raped in front of your no, eyes no but, but there is a woman in a shackled to a chair with her legs being spread about to get wristed two beefy dudes <laughs> you know with their their hands on her. It, it comes so close to something that is so like that i don't need to see on screen in the first place i mean like some of that stuff was almost as upsetting to me as like irreversible you know that 20 minute rape scene really yeah really and it wasn't in service. even though it's a trashy b movie like there were times where i was like god this is like this is gonna upset some people because at first at first glance i would think this is just sort of a harmless b movie but really i think for like survivors of abuse this would be deeply unsettling I'm sure, yeah. It, because it comes so close. I mean, there's all these, there's like these pounding sort of flashbacks to like Steven Weber naked walking toward uh, Charlotte it throughout a, the yeah, film. I, th- I think know. that's the most traumatizing image. Yeah, 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 yeah me for too. sure. I'm going to think of that image forever. So credit to the movie, I guess. But I just thought it was playing fast and loose with this stuff and not in the service of really a feminist objective or anything like that. Just because some women stab a guy to death at the end of the movie, I don't think makes it a feminist film. Like, no, um, it's totally reckless across the board. I I don't think there's a statement to be made here. Yeah. I don't think it was for me. Here's, here's a, here's an example of why I think this movie kind of lacked some humanity, which is one of my favorite criticisms, of course. Um, when young Charlotte is being a, abused we have the recurring motif where she looks at the sunlight trickling under the door in the corner and has a fantasy of escaping the conservatory and running through the garden away from this place right that is later cut in later as she's like stabbing the guy or you know they're fighting the guy and this is kind of her catharsis I think a much better final shot for this movie would be these two women taking this 10 year old girl who we've seen dangled in front of us as like, this girl's going to get raped and they're leaving together through the garden. I love that. Just I give love me that. that so much because that makes me realize like how fucking stupid the end is. But then we is. wouldn't get the like, like, you know, grindhouse. I'm, you know, ultra violent. Oh, look how, look how edgy and fucked up this is. We, we cut a guy's it's very Cl- legs Clive off. Barker to reference somebody that we, uh, briefly saw in person looking, <laughs> looking very decrepit. Um, it's, 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 it's a, it's a gross ending for a movie that deals in like, like child sexual abuse that ending is absurd to me like you would think that the ultimate catharsis for these women would be to escape the back off academy not to prove that they can do what was expected of them by this person who was going to rape them if they didn't do what he expected them to do or at least come back to that little girl come back to the little girl where is she 
She may be starving to death on the upstairs bedroom, and like, we don't why care. Why would she be? They killed off all the fuckers. Yeah, but yeah, but like I want to see over. Like, like, but like she got, she was put in a moment. Obviously, where, like, they're leaving with her. She was placed in a moment of like terrifying peril, unbeknownst to her. I think a better ending. You're totally right. It would have been to see that girl escape. It might have felt saccharine because this is a bad movie that I <laughs> yeah, also gave you a view all it to. Bitched about it for being too on. Well, the but I, I would I would give it a view regardless. But like I I want to see. So while it's like fun in a, tr- I keep saying trashy. It's trashy as at fuck. At some point, I'm gonna have to explain what I mean by that, probably. But like, it's trashy as fuck. But at some point, it like, is lurid. It is sure. It's prurient. Absolutely, and that's why I compare it to Verhoeven. Ah, I have a problem, which is not like a. I mean, let's and not. And that like a, is not a criticism. It's not a gold me. standard. I enjoy like, trashy. Verhoeven is not a gold standard. I, I love Verhoeven. For Verhoeven kind of movie is the gold standard of I, trashy. For trash, I can't see Verhoeven making this movie. I could see like Abel Ferrer. Wait, you said you couldn't? Movie. No, I can't see him making this movie. This movie doesn't work for me as like a satire. I think the, the it's, it's not a satire. Not a satire. Sex and it's violence are are too dumb. I don't know. There's some really funny moments in this movie, though. Like the Here's, whole scene. Okay, wait, hold on. Here's how I want to change the ending because we're talking about the ending. Yeah, yeah. Here's how I want to change the ending. I want to hear them playing at the end, and I really wanted them to just be playing shitty as fuck. Just be and just like laughing about it. Well, not laughing about it, but shitting just like on the bus. <laughs> intentionally, intentionally playing poorly just to fuck with that guy. That's what I wanted to hear. And maybe they are. You know, who like, knows? Like this guy's. This but we guy's, can't hear. We can't knows, hear. But their I also didn't hear her mistake in the perfection. No. I mean, like, oh, that, and that's an interesting. That moment. was great. Yeah. That whole sequence. Now again, Chris, like, she, Chris she probably, drew my attention to that. I didn't realize there's kind of an interesting little camera effect when she fucks up, and it's not you don't like the untrained ear does not notice that she musically fucks up. But right. well, it's like, such a weird you piece see, too, and I'm not accustomed to that kind of music on a regular basis. But so you I don't know what to see hear. it in Steven Weber's performance and the little like shaky um, effect that they put on that oh, shot. Yeah. Technically, that whole sequence is great. I think it's very effective film making i just thought it was i just suspenseful it's gorgeous looking it's a great location i just don't like the intention um the whole thing where she messes up the note and we we can't even tell but the camera shakes a little bit and you see everyone responding to it and then she finishes her performance and we know it's bad news but the little girl who's just got there and is naive starts clapping oh i love that (laughs) moment too where she's clapping but like you know based on his look they're like yeah she fucked yeah it's all i didn't hear her fuck up but she fucked up it's all great filmmaking for what they're trying to do i just have a problem with what they're trying to do and again if it's good enough to bring the girl out and taunt her and taunt us with her for that whole sequence go back and show us what the fuck happens to the girl but at the end of the movie yeah just the way that that girl is discarded it didn't bother me until we started talking about it but that is that is pretty fucked up so can we talk though about the genre twist like i mean it's ostensibly a body horror film for like the first half hour yeah yes slash like sort of trashy lesbian Ro- like romance stalker thing like there's another very oh, it's very single white female Verhoeven like in the, in the beginning which, yeah uh, which steven weber also stars in and then um, it becomes kind of like a psychological thriller where charlotte is like you know potentially stalking or gaslighting it's Lizzie. like a revenge movie yeah, yeah. well and then well no Rape then revenge. it becomes i would say yeah. it becomes a revenge movie in the final like third when you finally figure out what the fuck is going on i mean that in it in and of itself is what and i mean i i tire a little bit of praising movies for mixing up genres but this one is wild in the way that it completely leads you to think something entirely different is going on and then i mean 
you know, obviously it's bullshit. Like, is it really that reliable that you're going to feed her these pills and she's going to hallucinate strongly enough in in combination with alcohol to have the desired effect? Absolutely not. Yeah. But No, but I like watching it a second time, it's really fun to see her like, it's very clear that like, Nobody else is seeing the bugs. It she Charlotte is suggesting that, so yeah. she sees it. Yeah, that, that that was fun for me. That's why, and that's that. an effective sequence. And that sequence on the bus—it's ridiculous though, because uh, like it's—I <laughs> mean, it's the, so claustrophobic. Five. It, it's so like I laughed out loud so many times during that sequence today. Actually, the first time in watching it again, just the fact that like a woman is just screaming, "I'm gonna shit my pants! I can't move her! I'm gonna shit!" Like, the number of times that she says shit is hilarious. I mean, Chris and I have been on a couple of inhospitable buses in foreign countries. I thought of you guys and wondered if that would happen. I've had this experience. This is very real. Yeah, actually, you've had specifically the gastrointestinal experience. I just like her just saying, like, I can't move her. I'm going to fucking shit my pants. Chris Chris lived that. We're going to take a little tangent. Let me tell you a story. We're going to take a wizard's hand here. This is a story. Uh This is a story I don't tell many people. I was on. But a you're you're going to tell thousands, the millions. You're going to tell our three Australian listeners. So I was on a bus in the Philippines. Um, how I got the stomach bug, we'll never know. But we, I, I was on this bus. Pills. I was maybe you know, uh, right before as we were waiting for this bus to arrive, I started to get what I call the mud. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know when you got the mud. Yeah. And so I, I went to a little. Like, Do you have your mud flaps on? I went to a little like Ew. outhouse, and I, I tried to purge what I could. And then the bus arrived, and I ended up on this bus. It was a three-hour bus ride, I think. I think it was three hours, but that seems like too long. But I don't know. Anyway, but we're on this bus. But when you got the mud, man, it feels like an eternity. I'm on the, I, I got the bus, and I got the mud. And for a while, I'm just holding it. <laughs> I'm holding it as best I can. And I have friends with me and we're like, oh, what are we going to do tomorrow and stuff? And I'm just like, I got the thousand yard stare. I'm only thinking about one thing, which is not shitting my pants on this bus. Not just filling that bus with mud. I made it about an hour and a half. Not creating a mud slide, one might say. I was about to go there. (laughs) Now, now if you've had the mud, you know an hour and a half is an awfully long period of time. I should get a medal for that. And then I'm like, okay. I need to get off this fucking bus. I was having the exact experience as Lizzie. And so I tell my friends, I'm like, look, I got to get off this bus. I see that there's like a, like we're entering a, a, most of this whole bus. It's like one road up the coast of this island in the Philippines. I see a city center up ahead. So I walk to the front of the bus and I'm like, stop here. Let me out. Let me out. I tell my friends, get, get my stuff. We're getting off here. I say, let me off here. The bus driver's like, oh, I can't let you off here. It's it's a, it's a roundabout or like something. I'm like, God damn it. Have to go back to my seat. But then just the act of getting up and moving, kind of like I think rearranged the furniture and I was okay. I didn't have to have to shit anymore. Go back to the back of the bus. It starts coming back with a vengeance, and I, you know, I'm sweating. And did you start like playing a game with your? With, like, your I was doing like, anything I could. Yes, yeah. I was doing anything I could to get my mind off the situation. So then finally, I'm like, I, I gotta go. I gotta get off this bus. So finally, like the next stretch, I'm off the fucking bus. Everyone gets our shit. We get off the bus. I see a Seven Eleven. Thank God for Seven Eleven. Let me just say, yes. I have I've heard this story multiple times, and this is the most anxiety-inducing rendition yet. Thank you. I see a 7-Eleven, the, the green glow. I'm like, perfect, because it's like, you, you know, you get off the bus, that's problem one. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll shit, like, behind a wall if I have to, but I want to find a toilet. 7-Eleven, I'm like, great. We go in, we're like, can we use your, your bathroom? I, or, or I, I go straight to the back, I see the bathroom door. 
I tug on the bathroom door and it like comes off in my hands. <laughs> and then I realize that the bathroom door is actually, the bathroom's actually to my left with no door. The door has been taken off of it and is in front of me. You're like just like so dazed at this point that you don't realize it's a door that is not I'm on a hinge. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's a Wait, door, but bugs? you pull on it and it's just, have- a, it's just a loose door. And Chris, are those fucking bugs? <laughs> so I look to my left and there's a toilet, but like the this bathroom's clearly out of order. There's a mop bucket in the middle of the floor. It's a small, you know, it's 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 as big as you know this space here. Dude, I it's would got, just shit in the mop bucket at that point. It's got a mop bucket, and every surface, including the toilet in this bathroom, is covered with this like grayish, watery film. And I'm like, fuck it, we're doing it. And so I go in there, I sit down. My friends, God bless their hearts, take the loose door and like hold it over the actual door space to give I love me a privacy. Loose door. <laughs> and uh, and so that's that's how we got out of that situation. Um, and but since then, I am not precious at all about where I go to the bathroom. And this well, is why you have only one hand now. Yeah, this is why I only have one hand. And this is why I you know you know I used to be the guy who, like goes in like tears the tissue paper and puts it on the toilet seat. I'm not that guy anymore. I survived that. I can survive anything. Bring it on. It's beautiful. No privacy. What a, what a no, redeeming no story. Unlike the perfection. Yeah. <laughs> to bring us back. <laughs> so that, that's my that's my horrible Philippines bus ride story. Very similar. I, I kind of went back there when I watched this movie. So the, this this scene felt very authentic to you, you're saying? Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, and really terrifying. And at this point of the movie, I didn't know... I was like, are we watching a zombie movie? I had no idea. Yeah, I'm like, I had no idea. Like, they got out of the, the fucking bus, which it takes an absurd amount of time. I don't understand this bus driver, what his deal is. Dude, that's the most, that's they've, real, they've that's mi- true to life. You say, stop the bus, and the bus driver shouts back at you, and you're like, I can't, go. oh, oh, okay. That's what happened to me on the roundabout. Yeah, I, I remember when we were in Panama on the infamous, what we ended up dubbing the fridge bus. Oh, my it was fucking just God. Very cold on that bus. I mean, Chris found it colder than i did but i found it so cold that i like couldn't sleep it was a night bus mm. and that's the worst experience of my i life. mean we're in the tropics you know like you want to be in a cold space but it was too cold and you know it's just you don't have a choice you're in this confined space with other people who don't speak the same language as you and you are just subject to the whims of whatever happens for you know several hours bus travel is fucked that ride i get anxiety thinking about that ride that was awful Right, because we don't really like have. Well, I mean, there's Greyhound and whatever here, Megabus, but it's not as common a form of travel as it is in a lot of other countries. And it's just when you get into those countries where you actually have to travel hours on a bus to get somewhere, it's a weird experience. And I think this movie captured that really well, well and, the, really, and the horror that can that could potentially arise from having an illness movie. in set that the scenario. Whole movie on the bus, better movie. Oh, <laughs> get the fuck out! <laughs> Great sequence, but and where does the girl come in? Um, like I just it, during that scene, one I find it very laughable. Like just like, see, I felt the actor. Who's the actress who plays uh, Lizzie? Logan Browning. I found her to be pretty terrible in this movie. What? Oh no! I think she's I, than like, she Williams. had like some of the most outrageous laugh lines for me. Like, well, the, the the most hilarious line she has when she um, tases and beats the shit out of Allison Williams. I wrote down her line, which is "Fuck you, crazy bitch." Fuck you, fuck you, fuck, fuck, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. I, I, so I, well, this time because I was, I was, I was working out today. Because also terrible, oh, you? You terrible, good. 
Thank you. <laughs> terrible movie to watch with a hangover, by the way. Oh, terrible yeah. oh, movie. Yeah. Like I wanted. Oh, yeah. I did not feel physically ill until I started watching this, and I was like, "All right, I guess I'm I'm getting on this new growing machine." Thanks, mom. Drink a couple and, of little uh, airport liquor bottles yeah, and a couple some ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. No, um, I found her to be absolutely ridiculous. But like when Backoff asked her, like, like why would referring to Charlotte? Why would she do this? Because she's a crazy fucking bitch. Like the way that she delivers that line is so out of control. So at that point, I loved her performance. I thought she, I mean, she manages to convey all the different kind of things you think her character is, and yet they all make sense in the larger picture of things. Whether she's like sort of the lesbian femme fatale or the pissed off victim of this forced dismemberment, or the sort of righteous revenge seeker at the end like she is a badass presence and she plays all those three elements of the character really well and in a way that does hang together if you go back and watch it and know the the true nature of her character and what her character is going through well that's fair i did feel that way about get out um that's what i'm gonna call her from here on out because i don't know from anything else (laughs) um charlotte Oh, 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 oh. I I did feel that way about her because, like, especially when you have these, like, rewinds, you're like, oh, wow, she was actually, like, and she was acting in the role that she's playing, which is always a fun thing for me. I felt, but I felt like she knew what kind of movie she was in. I felt like the character who played Lizzie wasn't necessarily, like, if she was in on the joke, it wasn't clear enough to me. Like, it felt like, like, it felt like, Speaking of Verhoeven, it felt like a performance that would be more apt for like showgirls. What? Yeah. I, what? What do you mean by that? That's just like like not understanding that like this movie is trash and that her character is absurd and that the things that are coming out of her mouth are crazy. Like when she was, that's why I laughed when she was talking about shitting her pants. Like she didn't seem totally sincere, but she also didn't seem to be like, um, like she had a sense of humor about that either. It was very odd for me. I've hmm. never seen a performance quite like that. Uh, yeah, and you know, I was trying like w- about the point where she's like, "Why? Why did she do this to you?" Because she's a crazy bitch. I started to think, "Are we entering showgirls territory? Is yes. this <laughs> is this a story of like feuding women? But it's a it's a satire. It's just exaggerated, but." It wants to be, but it never I don't quite know. commits to it. I don't know. It seems I don't know. It was not clear if this movie had come out in like 1998. I would like it so much more. But the fact that it came out when it did, dealing with the issues that it tries very lazily to deal with makes me very upset. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Like, if I look back, like, Single White Female, great example. I keep bringing it up. Like, that's a movie where I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm down with that. Because that was a different time, different style. What is Single White Female even about? This I I have no context Single White Female is about, it's basically, like, identity theft sort of story about like two women who become roommates mm. and turns into like a sort of psychological horror movie. Mm. And it's very trashy and very sort of like ripped from the headlines of the era. But, but it like, it seems it doesn't seem to know quite what it is in the same way that this movie doesn't, but because it's from a different time, I'm willing to like forgive it and not ask too many questions about it. But this is like 2019. And this is a movie that deals with like institutional toxic masculinity and rape, like a very unfortunate time to make a movie about that. And also doesn't seem to have anything profound to say about it. I, I'm That's about to issue. put on. No, my... it doesn't have anything profound to say, but I think it offers a 
pretty, I mean, yes, not nuanced, unsubtle, but I think its heart is in the right place as far as, you know, shutting that shit down. Whoa, you think this movie has a heart? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I there's I don't think there's anything novel or or socially conscious about a rape revenge movie, like like in general. Well, no, that's I'm I already, will argue with you there. Well, there could be. You've seen? Have you seen Revenge? I haven't, but there. I, I no, I, I acknowledge that there could be, but it's it's a trope that's been played out so much. Like this is the argument I got onto um got into on Twitter about Tarantino and whether he's a feminist based on his work. Oh like, well, no. <laughs> You know, just just because you have a woman who kills people doesn't mean it's a feminist movie. Can we can we at least take a minute to acknowledge the irony of three men sitting around discussing this issue? Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, we do this often. It's time to check in. Well, you know what? Let me say. You know, I I, uh, our synopsis tonight was inspired by another podcast called Faculty of Horror, which is two women who are academics and know a lot about actual academic feminism and do feminist critiques of horror movies, and they release it like once a month. Go check them out. Fucking great show. Great show. I'm glad you're into it. I, I've only listened to two I episodes. I wish we but... were the show that they are, but we're dumb We're shits, men. We, we were so. born with dicks. Like, this is so what we have to live with. So we've now compensated for uh, discussing women's issues as three men by plugging a That's... female-hosted podcast. You know what? Like, we're trying yeah. harder than this movie like did to excuse trade. ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Patrick, I, I'm going to put on my badge and play Woke Police a little bit more in a second, but before I do that, oh, I just want to give you the opportunity, because you like this movie so much, is is there anything that you want to praise this movie for that we haven't talked about? Um. <laughs> wow. I don't, going I don't know. through a lot right now. I, not at the moment. All right. Well, then I'm going to be woke police. The th- other thing I thought Wait, can was... Wait, can we have a sound effect for woke police? Because I think this should be a recurring segment now. <laughs> Added something in. Um, the other thing that I thought was kind of morally reprehensible was that this movie features a homosexual relationship, possibly two homosexual relationships, depending on how you interpret Theus and Jeffrey. Yeah, that's... Very unclear. And and I feel bad for assuming that they were I do, too. Together. I do, too. But, but I think the casting was meant to make us question that. Yes. I, I, like, that's, that still doesn't sound PC, but I don't care. Yeah, no, I'm glad you I, have the same concern. I, I do have the same concern. And again, being cognizant of, like, I don't, I can't assume anything, I felt like that was maybe in there. And so I was upset with the apparent correlation that they're drawing between homosexuality and fucking child abuse and child rape and showing two women who were raped as children becoming lesbians and two gay men perpetuating the rape. That's it's really bizarre. Like it doesn't make you're making a fucking shitload of assumptions there. Those that, are not that, that's no a, that's just, that the child abuse has anything to do with their sexual relationship and b that those two characters are gay. Why why or how would they be committing rape if they were uh, against women if they were gay in the first place? They might. Oh, God. Like, no matter what I say, it's going to sound weird. I'm I'm with Chris on this. I, when I first saw Theus and Jeffrey, and I've seen this movie twice, I just kind of assumed they were gay. Right. And I think that's sort of, I think that's part of the misdirection is you're supposed to be like, oh, yes, they're sort of, they're gay. They couldn't be raping women. Well dressed, sort of fey men who are part of a music conservatory oh they're gay well that, that, that gets that um so you i think that's you, part of the misdirection right which lends 
to the film's sort of trashy motives, that it would do something like that. Because apparently it was effective. We all three can recognize that that's what yeah, happens. they're playing to stereotypes. That's our fault, not the film's fault. They're playing on our perception of those stereotypes. Well, okay, well, I, I will say it's not the film's thought if you can come up with an argument for what that means. Like, like what what is to, what is there to be gained from that other than just the pure misdirection that they also happen to be rapists? Because to me, that makes it even more offensive that, like, we're going to, this film's going to, like, not so subtly make you think these guys are gay. And then, oh, wait, it turns out they rape women. Like, as a gay man, that's, that's, that's doubly offensive to me. Why? <laughs> because the fact that you would look at someone and think that they're gay based purely on, on the gaze, on, like, observing their behavior, even though they don't touch each other, we all three kind of felt that. And then it turns out that they rape women. Like, they're, they're evil. Because, I mean, there's this, like, long history in pop culture of, like, gay men being villains, or especially trans yeah, men. Or, I mean, thinking of, like, dressed to kill or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the like, I mean, this movie is, is sorted under the LGBTQ movies on Netflix, presumably because you have two leads who are in a lesbian relationship. When you also tie their relationship to child abuse and rape and you i just think you have to tread very very carefully and this is not a movie that's interested in treading carefully on anything right the fact that it like i mean like child abuse or illicit gay sex like one or the other like this movie is just like interested in going over the top in as many ways as possible <laughs> i find that just i mean admirable in some sense like it's a ballsy movie but um it doesn't have anything to say about either of those issues and the fact that it just like lumps it all together kind of like almost seem like you could make the argument that this film cheapens both of those things that it, that it cheapens child abuse, that it cheapens homosexual relationships. Let let me try. Unless I you mean, y'all y'all have been nothing but negative since we got to the spoiler room. But you know what? I, I gave gotta, it a view. I got to view it and cue it, so I'm happy. <laughs> I know I still give <laughs> right. it a view, but look, I'm like, it is a fascinating exercise in like how far can you go in the wrong direction on so many levels and still make a movie that is like compulsively watchable. Yeah, I would watch it again. Um, let me let me overreach a See, little actually, bit. See, actually, well, hold on to that point for just one second. Okay. I just want to follow up on that because I want to say I don't. I said this to Chris actually earlier today. I don't know that I would watch it again. I think the pinnacle of my experience with this movie was the first time the twists and the genre shifts and whatever were all just jaw dropping for me, and I enjoyed rewatching it. I don't see myself revisiting this though. I'm not saying your experience is wrong. It's just interesting the different ways we perceived this upon rewatching it and the different ways we seem to approach the possibility of rewatching it again. Yeah. Let me try to overreach a bit um, to the movie's credit because for a while I was trying to pull a actual like feminist theme out of this movie and I'm wondering if there was anything attempted there with, you know, the perfection being a metaphor for social expectations on women or anything yeah. like that. Am I am I totally off base on that? Did anyone feel anything like that? So I guess I would ask first how you think it lacks a feminist thing, because you did you did raise that point before. Like, how do you think it's not feminist? 
I don't think it's unfeminist. I just think that it doesn't really have anything to say about women in society other than, oh, look at this woman have horrible sex crimes perpetuated onto her so that when she stabs this guy, we don't have to feel conflicted about it. No, it certainly doesn't have anything to say, but why does it need to? Why can't it just be, because it's hey, like- these women were abused and... They're, I read and a they're lot, fucking kicking the shit out of their this abusers. this movie is like nonstop controversial imagery and themes. That's why we feel like it needs to say something. Otherwise, I wouldn't care if it was just like a if it was if, if this were Showgirls, I would just be laughing the whole way through at how bad it is and not worrying about the the implications of it. But this movie throws a lot of really strong, erotic and controversial and, and at times horrific imagery at you. Like it seems to. It seems like it wants you to think more deeply about it, but there's nothing to think about. It is a feminist film, I would say, in that it's about two women who's, who like survive abuse and, and get revenge and also find love in the process and find companionship in a very unique way. Um, According to Chris, because they were sexually abused. No, no, that's not that's what, not what he said. said. He did not say that he did not imply that. Well, I didn't read no, it that but way. You, but you brought up you brought up the point that you think the film implies that because they are sexually no. abused, they're no, not No, I don't think abused. it implies that. I just think no? that that is a uh, common stereotype and a very harmful stereotype about gay relationships and that a movie that invokes the two together needs to be very careful about how it does it. I totally agree with you there. Like, but I don't think at any point it implies that that's why they're... It it's doesn't, like, but it's, it's a like movie. Saying, it's other. like having a movie where you have a a Muslim man blowing up a building. Like that is the pervasive stereotype about people, and it's very harmful. And so, if you're going to portray the two together, I don't need an A to B connection in the text of the film. I'm, I don't think that's in the text of the film. At it's no not in the point, text of the film. But at it's, no point while watching this film did I even think for a minute that they were attracted to each other because they had been sexually abused. Yeah, but those two. Those two concepts are correlated so often in like in in pop culture history. Yes, and, and also in our history, like if you're gay, it must be because you were abused. I mean, that's that's that's, that's still, frankly, a pretty pretty common a common trope in in daily life. So, for but I would LGBT say LGBT folks that like, well, you're gay, so there's something wrong with you. And because I think there's something wrong with you, I'm assuming that it's because something was done to you that shouldn't have been and that you might be liable to do something to someone else but isn't but isn't that trope usually applied isn't that stereotype usually applied to gay men being abused by male relatives or friends i mean isn't that generally the concept these women were abused by men and are now lesbians which does not fit into that broader social it doesn't but it, it to me it's it's on the same path it's like oh they were abused and now they're doing something that i would say frankly this movie I don't know how to quantify it. You guys might disagree with me, but I felt that their sexual relationship was played to be read as deviant. Did you guys feel that way? Like, I, I don't it, know if I, I felt that way. I see why you're saying that, but uh-huh. I don't. I did not feel that way, and I, but I did feel that way. It didn't seem I genuine. I did feel that way about uh, Brad Dourif's daughter and Jennifer Tilly. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I so so let's just make it known that I am sensitive to that issue. The, I mean, I guess because again we keep using the term trashy, it felt like they were making out just to shock us. And if you're going to do that in a film that also tells us that both of these girls were abused, like I I just don't feel comfortable about those two things sitting with each other in the same ninety minutes. It's weird. Why would you do that? At least like, without 
giving us something more to why this is all necessary. Like, Cronenberg could have made a better movie. Cronenberg could have taken this <laughs> script, done another draft, and made an amazing movie that was, like, you know, psychosexual thriller and body horror, and it would have been fantastic. But, like, in the, in, this is a good looking movie. It's mostly well acted, but there's too much going on for the, the clumsy hands that it's in. Nah, see, this is the thing. I, I, I don't necessarily think this movie is perfect. And, well, you know what happens <laughs> if it's not perfect, Fashion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ooh. It's what's You're expected t- of you. Taking that a little too lightly there, yeah, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I know. I didn't like that. <laughs> um, it's not perfect, but I can't imagine it being done better. No, it, it's never going to be a good movie, but like it, it, it could be less upsetting in the wrong way. It's ways. never going to be a good movie. It's always going to be a great one. <laughs> like, I, I would not expect this to be a great movie. And I want it to be upsetting. I mean, like, part of the draw was like, hearing about it and being like, oh, there's, like, bugs in it and there's, like, all this weird... I'm like, what? What is going on? This sounds fascinating. But, like, it could be upsetting without being, like, morally reprehensible. Again, <laughs> Which I is what wanna, it winds up being. I don't want to be the guy who watches a horror movie and well, is we, like, well, this isn't politically correct. Because <laughs> that's why we love... Like, I love bad movies that, like... Like, I love camp. I love to laugh at, like, oh, my God, they actually genuinely said that line in a movie? That's so offensive. But, oh, it was the 70s. And, like, and, that stuff and, is funny know. to me. Maybe if the overall tone of the movie hadn't seemed so straight laced until we started getting into this stuff i might have accepted it better but it was just kind of upsetting to me yeah well you are the woke police all right i gotta complain uh about the rewinds too oh i fucking hated that because i I will say the second rewind i didn't need because i knew what happened essentially i I disagree i i the second rewind i thought was more um egregious oh yeah I mean, well, no, that's what I'm saying. The second one was more egregious. Like this, I love the rewinds. Like, oh. You like that's a terrible effect. Like, show me a flashback. The whole rewind, like, well, I, forget about forget about the aesthetics of the actual rewind effect. Let's just talk about the okay. The, yeah, we don't need to because it's, it's stupid editing but. decision. The the decision to withhold information and then show it to you in, in a flashback works. I think for the bus incident, it works for. Charlotte poisoning Lizzie um, because well it does because like for a, for a while you think you're in like a fucking like I don't know like a Junji Ito yeah. graphic novel tons of fun great but it's like there's gotta be like I, I honestly I didn't expect there to be a real I knew nothing about this movie going into it except for the reputation I thought like I don't know maybe she does have a virus and there, there are bugs inside of her yeah why not Sure. Why not? And like, what's going to happen after that? Um, the second rewind, I just, I, I guess, uh, to me, it felt like a manufactured twist ending. They withhold information from the audience that both of the protagonists know. Yes. To make a villain, to make a hero seem like a villain until the last minute. And I'm trying to think of like a classic film or something I could use as an example where it's I've like. Been, I've been working that over too and I can't. I can't either. It's like they took a huge block of character development out of the middle of the movie and showed it, tacked it on to the end of the movie just so a character's actions would be surprising at the end. And I want to say it's well unique. Like, like our listeners might know better than us. I mean,. I would hope not because we are horror experts, but I I can't say I've ever seen anything quite like that. It was no. it was weirdly unsettling, jarring, and ultimately satisfying. It was like if you took uh, Star Wars, 
and you cut out the Empire Strikes Back and most of Return of the Jedi. And you get to <laughs> well, the you point... can definitely cut out most of Return of the Jedi regardless. <laughs> okay. but... And yeah. you, you get to the point where Luke's being electrocuted by the Emperor and Darth Vader's standing there watching. And then he picks up and kills the Emperor. And then you show us all the little steps along it's the like, way. By where... the way, I drugged you seven years ago. <laughs> it's like, And I told you I was your father. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's all the things that happened to bring Darth Vader to the point where he felt like he should do this. You guys yeah. just got trolled and you can't deal with it. <laughs> I guess. But you like, I mean. We're I, trolling I, back, dude. We're trolling back hard. We're trolling they, back yeah, respectfully. The perfection trolled you a little, you're trolling it back. We're trolling back respectfully. We're yeah. meeting it on its level. Yeah. In fact, I would say perhaps above its level. Oh, maybe. I don't think this movie really necessitates this kind of thoughtful discussion, but here we are. Here's my final thought on, uh, for some reason I was going to say it, then I was going to say don't kill it. <laughs> neither of those D. Are, Wallace from it. Neither of those are the movie that we watched. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Ooh. Oh man, Ooh. just bringing up one of my most painful memories Ooh. of my life. You there. do that for me all the time, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We could go this way, or we could go that uh, way. True. Oh, that's one of the most painful memories of your life. No, it's not really. <laughs> um, I I I love the climax of this movie. Like when that title came up today, when I rewatched it, Chapter Four Duet, I was like. Oh yeah, let's go. It's oh just, yeah, no, it's fun. It's fun. That's great. It's a thrill ride. I mean, it's it's violent, it's brutal, and you just want them to earn every minute of it, and they fucking do, and it's great. It's great. Would you great climax? Where I get stuck is, would we still be okay with that level of violence if there weren't physical rape involved? Uh, God, you I don't mean. Know. What do you mean? Know. Like, if there were some other form of abuse perpetrated, if all them, the abuse was going mean? on, the kids, people were still brainwashed and being driven to suicide and whatever by the oppression of the conservatory, but they weren't actually fucking kids. Would we? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Know. I mean, I, I think it's. I mean, you know, sure, maybe it's not the most responsible movie, but it's very much a movie of the moment. I mean, it's dealing with that Me Too kind of fucking clumsily. bullshit, clumsily, but clumsily, but, it's, but, but yes. it is doing it. Yes. yes, like I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to hate on it. I gave it a view. We could go on all night. But Chris um, has been staring at his iPad for 20 Chris, minutes, which um, means he wants to tell us what we're watching next. Yeah, what are we watching next week? All right, so forgive me if I mispronounce two this. weeks from now. Uh, but we are officially moving into the D's. D as in dog. But our next film... Moving into the D's. It's a Turkish film, so I'm not sure of this pronunciation. I think it's Dabi. Dabi, the like Dabi, like like Harry Potter, like the, the house. Dabi, I don't know. He has his it's, own franchise now. It's D A B B E, Dabi, Dabi, the Dabi, the possession is a Turkish wait. Dabi, film. like like colon the possession. Yes, and this is the okay. first of three, right? Um, God, I love a colon. Actually, there are six. Da- there, there is a Dobby Five and a Dobby Six. On oh, Netflix. we talked about this. Yeah, yeah, the broken franchise. I'm not yeah. sure if Dobby Two, Three, or Four are on Netflix categorized somewhere else. We'll have to look into. So it. we're gonna watch the first installment, and then we're gonna miss three movies worth of Dobby development, and then we're gonna drop back in like a child who has wandered into a conversation on Five and Six. And then, element, and then maybe yeah. we can watch Two, Three, and Four. Well, you guys, at the very you have end, to remember like a twist. Like, we like, might have talked about this on my on the first episode. Or it might have been a pre-Amon conversation, but like I thought when we talked about how we were going to do the A to Z thing with franchises, I was like, wouldn't it be, like when we come across Hellraiser two, we're just not going to watch Hellraiser one. 
if it's gonna be like Hellraiser like two and five, and that's all. And we have to yeah. just try and make sense of the yes. franchise. That was my exact example. If it's available on Netflix, we go in chronological order. If it's not available on Netflix, right? Well, just, like if it's if it's like alphabetically elsewhere, we can watch it. Right. But if it's just that's it, right. then that's where we go. Right. So we might just watch Dobby, Dobby five, Dobby six. Well, I'm and it may be that. of interest to our listeners to hear that we briefly considered watching all three of these and reviewing all of them in a single episode. And then we were just like, no, fuck that. We're not watching seven hours of fucking movie. And They're like three hours long. They're long movies. We'll see. Single episode. We'll see. We're going to watch this first one and then we're going to see what we want to do. Yeah. You know, can I, th- can I throw in one final quick note here on you the might. perfection? Yes. You might. I, I want to hear from our listeners. If you've seen The Perfection, tell us what you thought. I'm, I'm really curious to hear other people's opinions on this movie. Particularly, I would like to hear women's opinions on was, this movie. Was, was it perfection or did it fall flat? Yeah. Oh. oh. And if you want us to, to share your opinion, we'll we'll read a little mail on the next show. Yeah? Sure. A little mail. <laughs> like Neville. Mail. Yeah. I love that he refers to email as mail. Yeah. yeah. I got some mail. Your... I keep getting mail yeah, from my fans. Send us some mail. Yeah. Tell us what you thought of The also, Perfection. Neville, I hope you're listening, buddy. Tell us Thank if it you. was... Tell, yeah, hey, Neville. Tell us if it was a view it, cue it, or screw it for you, and let's let's continue the conversation. Sure. Yeah, it'd be great to hear from everybody. As always, you know, everyone can contact us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. What if they troll email. us? They can troll us. We'll troll them back. You know, it's all it's all a beautiful thing. Um, but otherwise, wow, we'll... it used to be we might troll you back. Now it's a promise. We're <laughs> so gonna we fucking troll going... you back. You can fucking expect that. We're That's a guarantee. Hard. Yeah. Well, well, we'll be back in two weeks. Otherwise, with Dobby the possession. So we'll see you then. Uh, for every horror movie on Netflix, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.